blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, we have just heard your words on the mountain. Lord, your words to a group of people who knew no antibiotics, hospitals, surgeons, anesthesia, Lord, or any modern marvel. Lord, they suffered greatly. There was death, and death abounded near them. And for you to say to them that their mourning was blessed, Lord, that message is powerful, and it's still powerful today because your word is living as you are living. You're still powerful today, even in our mourning. And Lord, it is you bring comfort. Let us understand that mourning is not the end. It is not the end of the race we're running. It's not the end game. It's not the end goal. It is merely, Lord, an aspect of this life that one day you are going to take away. We thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Mourning is a part of our lives. The reason we mourn is because we love. We deal with grief because of the love that we had for that person that we lost. Have you ever heard the saying, you shouldn't cry over spilled milk? And the reason you shouldn't cry over it is because it's easy to go find some more milk. It might be a little more expensive nowadays, but it's easy to go get more milk. But to lose someone you love, a relative, a spouse, even a child, a sibling, you can't get that person back. And that's why we mourn. We mourn because we've lost something. There is now a hole, a void that feels in our very soul that we feel nothing can fix. But Jesus comes with a new message. And he says, not only are you supposed to mourn, you are supposed to be blessed in your mourning. Right? And this is the opposite of what we want in our world today. We want no pain, no suffering, no issues at all. We want everything to be perfect. And if it's not perfect, we begin to lose our minds. But Jesus comes and says, it's never going to be perfect. You're always going to struggle with hurt and death. You're always going to be faced with evil. And you have your own temptations inside of you causing you to do evil. There will be plenty of reasons to mourn. And mourn even over your own sin. It is a good thing for the Christian believer to be upset about their sin before God. Do you see, students, do you see, adults, that it, it, is, the, it is bad to stand before God and just go, ah, I'm good. I don't care about the holiness or the judgment or the righteousness. I'm good. This is the person in great error. This is the person who's rushing off a cliff into the pit of the lake of fire. It is good to be on your face mourning before God over your sin. That's why Jesus says you will be blessed when you truly mourn. When you love the one you have wronged and you are truly repentant over that wrong and seeking true forgiveness. Not sorry that you got caught, but sorry that you have done it and you wish to make amends. You wish to turn from that behavior and instead act in a new way. This is godly mourning. This is godly repentance. If you would, turn to the Old Testament, to the prophet Joel. The prophet Joel, a short little prophet in the Minor Prophets. I'm going to give you a few minutes to find him. If you need to use the directory at the front of your Bible, that's fine. Don't feel bad. He's, the pages stick together. He's a, he's a short little prophet in there. Not short this way, just short in length. Joel chapter 2, verse 12. Joel chapter 2, verse 12. And as you find your way there, we're going to see that God wants mourning. 
And that's the opposite of the message that is preached in a lot of our churches, especially in North America. God wants you to be happy and blessed and physically rich and wealthy all the time. And this is false. This is a false Christianity. It's a false gospel from a false God who doesn't even exist and cannot save you. This God can save you because he's real. Joel chapter 2, verse 12. Did we find Joel? All right. Yet even now, so God is declaring through the prophet that he is going to bring judgment to Israel. He is going to smash Israel. He's going to take away armies. He's going to take away crops. He's going to bring famine. He's going to judge them. Yet, this is how our God works. Yet, even now, even despite all that Israel had done and all the sin they'd committed and all the wrong that they had done, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. Come back. Repent. Stop the wickedness and start the righteousness. God declares to Israel, come back to me. But how? There's, there's a requirements here. You don't just get to come skipping back as if nothing happened. With fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Okay? Have you ever heard of fasting? You know what fasting is? You know, uh, reframing from eating for a period of time. I don't believe, let me say this very carefully, I don't believe in scheduled spiritual fasting. And here's what I mean by that. I don't believe that you are the arbiter of the Spirit's work on you, and you'll say, all right, May 21st, I'm going to fast, and God's going to bring me closer to him. Right? That's how you schedule a dental appointment. Right? That's not how the Holy Spirit sanctifies you. God is going to move in his time, in his will, and in his plan. We respond to God's timing with fasting. We don't schedule it. I believe the same thing about revival. God brings revival, right? He brings revival. You can't schedule revival. What you can schedule is worship, which you should do all the time. Turn to me with fasting. So it is now time, declares the Lord, you've turned from me, come back, and do not eat until we get things settled, right? How many of you got in trouble with mom and dad, right? Right before dinner, right? Or spouses, you, you annoyed your spouse right before dinner, right? And everybody's just kind of sitting there, and you're like, you know you need to pray and eat because it's 6.02, and it's time to eat, but somebody's annoyed at somebody, Right? This is my perspective. So my mom's famous for telling stories about me. Let me tell a story about her, okay? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to out one of my sisters. But I don't remember the sister, so I can't really out, out her. So one time I came out of my room, because remember, I'm the only boy, right? One boy, three girls, right? So there was a lot of drama, and there was me, okay? <laughs> and so I come out of my room, and they're all at the dinner table, right? And I can feel the tension, right? Like I could cut it with a knife. And my mom is just frantically cutting some fish, right? Just, just, she's murdering this fish that's dead on the plate. And all three of my sisters are just looking down, right? And I'm looking around like, it wasn't me this time. <laughs> Usually it's me, but it's not. But I'm trying to figure out what happened, right? Somebody spilled the tea. I want to know, right? It's one of my, it's one of my other sisters calling. <laughs> and, and so I look up and I see my dad across the room, right? And I'm like 12, 13, 14. And I see him and he kind of looks at me and he, he just makes the face like, don't say anything. <laughs> right? So he wasn't in it yet. But if I opened my big teenage boy mouth, we'd, we'd all be in it. Right? Everybody would be in it. 
Robin just staring daggers like, don't you say a word. <laughs> and it's like that with God. If you're, if you're sinned against God and you're not repentant, then how can you expect to come to the wedding feast, the church feast, and act as if nothing happened? No, we can't do it. We have to be repentant before God, even to the point of reframing from eating with fasting. Then with weeping and with mourning. Now, the difference between weeping and mourning, weeping being so distraught with sadness that you're just literally crying nonstop and cannot breathe, and mourning. Mourning is a healing process. Mourning is an aspect of grief about the thing you loved and have lost that you're now getting over. And God wants this. He wants you to mourn that which you have done wrong so that you will turn to him. This is why we're blessed if we mourn because true godly mourning leads to true godly repentance. And what does that lead to? Holiness. Righteousness. True godly mourning is what God wants. And students, adults, look at me now. We have much to mourn over. We have much to repent over. And let me say this, as bad as you see it around you, okay, the war in the Ukraine, the COVID-19 pandemic, the countless deaths that have happened, as bad as you think things are, your sinful flesh in the inside is worse. Is worse. What does the Bible condemn over and over again? Far more than nations and evil kings, pride. Pride is the thing God hates. Pride is the thing God will destroy. Pride is the thing he's going to rip out of his Christians and put in his son instead. True godly mourning is blessed because when godly mourning leads to godly repentance, those with godly repentance now have a hope. Do you have a hope tonight? Because I know you're mourning. I've talked to so many of you, and I've been there in your lives. I've been in the room, right? Guys, just today, I had somebody weeping that I prayed with over their loss. We all have something to mourn for, but are we all turning to God with our godly repentance? I don't think we are. I don't think we are, because if we all were, then the fruit that would be born from that would overflow in this room. But there's many who have not yet turned to him. And this, this is what you're missing out on. So in Matthew, it said, blessed are those who are mourning, for they shall be comforted. Now let's find some comfort. Turn to Psalm 23. Turn to Psalm 23, verse 4. Thank you, thank you. Psalm 23, verse 4. Middle of the famous psalm here. Well, not quite the middle, but close. This famous text, but we're just going to focus on verse 4. Where does comfort come from? Does it come from the physical things that I can buy for myself? Does it come from the food, right, that I stuff myself with? Does it come from the poor relationship choices that I make? Is that where comfort comes from? Can I find it? In my bank account? Here is where comfort is. Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The valley of the shadow of death is your sin, ladies and gentlemen. It's your heart that is wicked and dark. And that's what you're walking through. 
And this is why you need comfort. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I walk through sin, I will fear no evil. And why? Why can we not fear evil? Why do I get to say that evil will not touch me? Why? For you are with me. Who is with him? Who is going to be with you in the valley of the shadow of death? With a rod and your staff, you comfort me. Who is this person? It's the shepherd. And what does the shepherd have? What are the two things he uses to comfort you? A rod and a staff. Now, a rod was a short, blunt instrument very, very heavy, that the shepherd would use when the wolves came to bite and take away and kill his sheep, he would strike them with great violence and kill them. Right? This is not the American Christianity where everything's perfect and no blood's ever shed. No, there is bloodshed here. God is striking his enemies to save his people with a rod. And you can see this all throughout Scripture, the great rod that will be coming on Judgment Day with a rod, with a short, violent club. He whips his enemies to save his people. But there's one other thing, and this should bring comfort to you. So your enemies have been destroyed with a rod. God has struck them, and who better to strike than God? But what else does the shepherd do? He has a staff. This is a long, thin, light staff that has a hook that we famously know. And yes, he would use this to pull sheep that had fallen into the cleft of the rock. But more importantly, the staff was used to guide the sheep because they would go off the path and go off into the woods and get stuck in the thorns and thickets and cry out in pain. And he would use the staff to guide them to the water that was pure. The rod strikes your enemies and the staff guides you to that which you need. This is the comfort that Christ brings. The comfort of God is in his protection and in his guidance. If you like to write things down, write that down. The comfort of God is in his protection and his guidance. But he doesn't leave us there. Instead, he takes us to the final place. Go to John chapter 10. Some follow evil shepherds. They're led astray by the temptations of the world and their own heart, and they follow evil shepherds who instead use the rod on their own sheep and strike and hurt them. And they keep going back to this evil shepherd because he offers something they think they want. We know this today as an abusive relationship, but it's simply the following of evil. In John 10, verse 11, we see why Christ is the good shepherd. Look what he declares about himself. John 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. This is one of the ego aimi statements referencing back in Exodus when God answered out of the burning bush to Moses, I am. Jesus also declares, I am God. And he is God depicted here as the good shepherd. He's the shepherd that's never going to strike you and break you. Instead, he's going to use the staff to guide you. Now, that can hurt sometimes. We call this sanctification. That hook could be a little pointy. And when he reaches down and lifts you up broken from where you have fallen, it may hurt a little bit. But he's lifting you up out of the world to put you back on the highway of holiness. 
I am the good shepherd. Why is he a good shepherd? Look what the good shepherd does that makes him good. I lay down my life for the sheep. I die so that they live. The world would have it the other way. The sheep die so the shepherds live. The lower classes of people, the poor ones and the sick ones, they die off so the rich ones can continue to live in luxury. That's the world. But that's not Christ. Christ instead says, I die so that they live. I sacrifice myself so my people will be saved. Students, ladies and gentlemen, which shepherd are you following? Are you following the good one? Or are you following the evil one of the world? Jesus is the good shepherd because he is God. For only goodness comes from God. He will do no evil to his people. He will always do good for them. Up to and including eternity. So today, turn. Turn in your mourning. Turn in your godly repentance. Turn from the evil shepherd you have been following and turn to the good shepherd who will strike the enemies trying to destroy you with a rod and will guide you with his staff. But I have a challenge for you. There's many in this room right now I know who are following the good shepherd because I have served with them and had the privilege to learn and grow with them and seen them following the good shepherd. The good shepherd does not offer you worldly riches. Instead, he offers you the opposite. Sell all that you have and come with me and probably die. It's not a very good sales pitch. Wouldn't sell a lot of condos at the beach. But it's the gospel. Come with me. Give up your life. Take up my cross and follow me. Students, this Friday night, when the world is celebrating the beginning of the weekend, we Christians should be celebrating our Lord laying down his life for us. And I'm not saying this to toot my own horn, but the Lord has graciously put me with my small group on Friday night. I'm very excited about And this is what we're going to be doing Friday night. We're going to be gathered in prayer and talking about the atonement of Christ. And I encourage you to do the same. With family, friends, you know, join with somebody. But remember this Friday, the good shepherd lays his life down for you, his people. And he will lose none of you. And all the mistakes and all the sin that you do after that, he's going to forgive because you're his sheep. And he loves you. And God has sent this good shepherd a great command, bring my sheep here to me. Drive them through the evil world and let no foe truly destroy them. Bring them to my throne. And then we will start eternity. So if you're mourning today, there is but one comfort for you. And that comfort is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to him and live. Turn to him and find your salvation. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for being my good shepherd. Lord, every moment in my life, I can look back and see where your staff guided me away from evil into what was right. And Lord, I'm so thankful for the times when you could have used that rod on me. And moments where you did, you lightly used it, Lord, to correct me and send me toward your salvation. Lord, you truly are the good shepherd. 
if I could be so bold as to paraphrase your scripture, the best shepherd. And Lord, you're the one we still need right now. So help us turn to you now. Lord, turn away from the evil one, the evil shepherd that leads us to destruction, and to you, the good shepherd who leads us to glory with our Lord. In his name we pray, amen. <laughs>